From the Transverse Network, this is The Transgender Show, an interview program about self-acceptance and discovery. I'm your host, Emily. This week on the show is Bree Starr, in her own words, a psychologist with a big mouth who meets herself at the intersection of many margins. Please welcome to the show, Bree Starr. Hello. Hi. Hi, Emily. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for being willing to come on the show and share your story. We're all very excited to get to know you a little better. Thanks for having me. I appreciate that. All right. So let's dive into your story. Um, We've already gotten uh, into a little bit before asking uh, how you identify and what your pronouns are. Oh, I identify as a trans woman, male to female, uh, she, her, hers pronouns. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm binary. I'm one of the boring binary folk. <laughs> <laughs> I love being binary. I don't. I, I you know we love everybody under the trans umbrella here, and it's Absolutely. it's just as as valid to be non-binary and you know find a a space somewhere else on the spectrum or a, a space that's flexible and moves around on the spectrum as it is to Absolutely. to be one of the binaries, one of the boring binaries, as you say. <laughs> Yes, the ultimate goal is to be comfortable in one's skin, to be comfortable in one's identity and, you know, whatever that journey looks like for you. Mm-hmm. How did you choose your name? Um, my name, honestly. <laughs> um, I, I really just uh, rearranged it slightly. I, I feminized my birth given name. Um, for the reason that it was given to me and the meaning behind it. Mm. Um, so yeah, so I just feminized my my birth given original birth certificate name and um, it's, it's not very far from the original. <laughs> I'll just say that. <laughs> nice. Well, it's great to maintain that history basically and the meaning behind it. Absolutely. For, for me, it was. Um, and also for me, I was, um, there were certain things for me, transitioning wasn't about completely rejecting who I was before. It was just about altering what I had been given socially and um, making it work for me a mm. little better. Yeah, that can be tough trying to find the new you and not eschewing the old you, you know, still still having love and faith in the person that you were before and just finding a way to put it in a different package or sort of re-identify it now. So oh, yeah. when did you first realize that you were trans? Oh, goodness. Um, hindsight being 2020, um, looking back, I knew very young as early as probably four um, but as as early as I can remember, I always known that I was that I just fit more on the feminine side of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Didn't have the language for that, and didn't completely accept my trans identity until I was about twenty. But I had been gender queer, androgynous presenting most of my life. And it was something that I didn't run from. Um, I never had confidence that I would ever pass as a straight cis male. So I, I let that go at a young age. Interesting. 
that's so fun that you just knew that, no, this, this identity is never going to work for me. I'm not going to be able to pull this off. No, no, no. I remember being uh, about five years old, maybe, sitting in my grandmother's kitchen and overhearing a fight that she was having with my uncle. It was supposed to be private away from me, <laughs> but I completely heard the whole fight. And um, he was arguing with her, telling her that I was going to be one of those gays who turned into a woman. And what 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 did that do to you at that point? What how did that strike you? Honestly, my looking back, I think my first thought was, "Oh my God, that's possible! I could turn into a woman." <laughs> I was like, "Wow, I need more information on this." Um, but of course, it was a lot for me to process. Like the language was even hard for me to process. I didn't think that it was a possibility. I, like I said, for as long as I can remember, I'd wished waking up mm -hmm. and being female or being seen as female in the world. And I, I didn't have confidence. I didn't in no way, shape or form that it would happen. I thought it would only happen via magic. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it that eventually cracked your egg or gave you that confidence to pursue it? Um, honestly, I can't take full credit. Um, I had a trans support system before I accepted my trans identity. Oh, wow. Um, growing up, when I was growing up, I grew up on the Eastern Shore, which is very non-queer existence. Hmm. Um, so I came, I started to come to the city at a, at a young age, started to come to Baltimore and D.C., at a young age and I met queer people and connected with queer people instantly. And I had a lot of trans women in my circle who I was real close to at that time from the ballroom scene. And they were basically like, honey, you don't realize that you're one of us. <laughs> and, um, and honestly, the hardest part of the transition for me was psychological, was me accepting my womanhood, I, I presented as female for, intentionally presented as female for at least 18 months to two years before I accepted my identity as female. Minvani mm -hmm. in the chat says she spent a lot of time on the Eastern Shore and understands why you went to Baltimore. <laughs> ASAP, as fast as I could. I, I, as soon as I learned how to drive, being from the country, I learned how to drive at a young age. And I would steal cars um, as soon as I learned how to drive to get away to Baltimore, D.C. I literally learned my way to each city just by following traffic signs. Oh, wow. How did you finally come to terms with the fact that you were trans and really accept it as your identity? Um, honestly, it was just life itself um i didn't accept my identity as trans for so long because i didn't grow up with a concept of transgender so i didn't really understand it mm -hmm. and um just with the typical discrimination and plight that we have to deal with being trans i didn't i didn't want to accept that um but just through life itself, um, living and being treated in the world as a woman. Um, 
living and being dealing with misogyny and misogynoir and um, all of the things that come along with being a feminine presenting person, I realized that I was only really lying to myself Mm -hmm. because the world was seeing me and treating me like a woman by just me being the natural me. Yeah. Did coming from a marginalized community make it easier to join and identify in in another marginalized community? Or did that uh, kind of awareness give you more pause? Um, I was always very socially aware. I came from a socially aware family. So I'd be remiss and I'd be a whole lie if I sat here and said that some of my conflict in accepting my trans identity wasn't because I knew I was already fighting with society's conflict and my black identity. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm sure that had a huge a huge effect on me, but I think it was more subconscious. It wasn't something that I was extremely aware of until I worked I worked through it. So when it came time to come out, um, I know you had a good support group. How did you come out to the rest of your life there? What was your overarching coming out strategy? If you're not familiar with me via social media, I'm quite audacious. (laughs) (laughs) And this is not a personality trait that I picked up as an adult. I've I've always been a big mouth Um, (laughs) and an open book. Um, So yeah, I recall the my first coming out as queer um i was in about the seventh grade and keep in mind i was not sexually active until i was an adult so i wasn't it it was a thing where i was very feminine and i was perceived as gay Mm -hmm. when in actuality i was just a queer child um but sexuality wasn't something that was on the forefront so people are throwing these titles at me this gay and this queer and these derogatory terms, the F slur and sissy and all of these things. And it was like, all of those things were associated with sexuality. And for me, that was really weird. It was like, you know, are y'all trying to force me to to be queer or is this something I can naturally evolve into? Hmm. But um, kids attempted, they attempted to bully me when I was younger and use that as a slur or use that as a strike against me. So in the seventh grade, still being unsure about my sexuality, I came out as gay. And that was kind of a way for me to throw it in my bully's face or for me to throw it in my peers' face. Like, this is not something I'm, I'm ashamed of. This is not something that you can make fun of me about. Mm-hmm. But I can find thousands of things to make fun of you about. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was never able to turn anything a boy said on to me back on them. You know, I was I was just cowering. So the fact that you were able to take what they were trying to use as a slur against you and own it and say, "Hell yeah, I'm gay." What are you gonna do about it? Kind of a thing. That that's wonderful. Had we been friends in school, they wouldn't have picked with you. <laughs> well, as soon as I get my time machine together, whatever. Um, <laughs> Come we'll... pick me up. <laughs> Maybe in the next life. Maybe, hopefully we can believe in reincarnation and have that happen and we'll, we'll look for each other. 
I do. I do believe that that's likely just because of weird dreams that I've had in my life. So I I would not be shocked to find that reincarnation was fact. Hmm. <laughs> so who was the hardest person for you to speak to when you were coming out? Oh, um, full disclosure, I think all of the straight people close to me, it was hard. It was hard to have those conversations with everybody who I should have said I perceived as straight or who were straight assuming. Mm -hmm. um, because come to find out, I have a queer ass family. But um, <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. <laughs> I, I, I have to say credit. I, I think that my audacity definitely helps a few of them. But, um, but no, it was, it was hard for me to come out to everybody who was straight assuming. Um, and I never really did that. And mm -hmm. I, I never really did that. Um, my mom actually approached to me when I was in high school. She overheard a conversation I was having with a couple of my friends in the living room. We were about to sneak out and see some boys. Mm -hmm. And, um, and yeah, and she overheard a conversation and she basically was like, I already knew, why did you never tell me, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we ended up having conversations and a lot of the straight assuming people in my life felt defended because I didn't have one-on-one -on -one conversations and I didn't make this a thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I just lived my life the way that I lived it. And my only real coming out was when I made my legal transition. And I basically told everybody, um, because I had a family member tell me that I won't call you by Brie or my government name, Tabria. I won't call you by Brie until you change it legally. So I did, I changed everything legally. And I made an announcement at one of my family's events that um, anybody who refers to me by my dead name or anything other than my desired pronouns I don't know who you're talking to. Hmm. Nice. I need to. I might need to uh, borrow you for the holidays. <laughs> <laughs> One of two things will happen. Your family will either garner a lot of respect for you, or they will completely hate both of us and kick us out. <laughs> <laughs> so, did the fact that you were um, out and loud and proud about who you were and coming out to your family. You said that you discovered that they were, that it was a pretty queer family. Do you feel mm -hmm. that how you approach things or just you being you and being out um, paved the way for more people in your family to come out? I, I definitely think that um, me being a, not just um, being tra openly trans, but me being a strong personality, I think that really had an effect on quite a few of my family members because there are people who are resistant and there are people who I still don't, don't exist to me because they have such a hard time conceptualizing the idea that somebody has, has the, the ability to transition yeah. socially, medically, however they want. Um, so yeah, there, I think that that's been an effect, but also my family, um, as I came along, my family overall started to veer away from religion and started to veer away from Christianity. 
So I definitely think that that plays a big role as well. Hmm. Very interesting. Did you have anybody in your circle that accepted you um, or supported you in a way that you weren't expecting? Everybody. <laughs> um, everybody, everybody who matters, I, sh I should say. Um, my mom, my grandmother. The biggest shock was um, my aunt. I have an auntie who's, who's still a bit more religious. Um, but, but yeah, overall, I know that a huge part of my confidence and my security in myself is because of my support system. I've had unconditional love my entire life. And sadly, for a long time, I didn't realize that until I transitioned, hmm. that I was lucky and that the love was unconditional. Wow. Yeah, uh, good or bad, transitioning will teach you a lot about unconditional love and, and where it exists in your life and where it doesn't. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sadly, um, I, I had great luck with my family, horrible luck in the romantic department. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, trans transitioning for me, dating did not work well. Hmm. <laughs> well, and I know for me personally, it was it was trepidation and a lack of uh, confidence in, in finding somebody that would love and accept me. I don't have a lot of, you, so you did ha have some of that feeling? I would think that um, <laughs> it wouldn't be the same Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, for me, um, by the time I was approached with the idea of transition, of the idea of trans people, as soon as I was approached by trans people and new trans people personally, then that's where my transition began. Mm -hmm. And, but before that point, I didn't know that trans was a possibility. I didn't know that it was a thing. The yeah. only representations that I had of trans people were people who didn't live the life that I pictured for myself, you know? Yeah. Um, and, but when I did meet people who transitioned and lived the life that I saw and were living the life that I saw for myself, um, that was the one big question, question mark for me. I never saw none of the trans women who I knew personally when I first started to transition None of the women that I knew personally had healthy romantic relationships. And they were beautiful, stunning, still are. Um, and so that was the biggest question for me. I was like, dang, I'm going to have this opportunity to be either comfortable in my skin or find somebody who's actually going to love me. I really believed, even as an adult, that by transitioning that was automatically cutting me off from the possibilities of a real romantic connection just because I didn't see it. Yeah. I didn't see it around me. And what was it that finally bridged that? Um, and, and where did you start to find places to date and people to date? <laughs> or is, is that still a work in progress? Oh no no no! I'm I'm very happy. He's watching now. Hey love. <laughs> no um, and anybody who's familiar with me via social media, they're aware of him as well. Um, don't want to blow his spot up too much. He's a very shy guy. But um, yeah, I'm I'm very happily in love. But 
it it took some time. It took a lot of time. Um, for me, I think I'm fortunate in being pansexual. Um, because for me, the I I just tend to date other trans people. I I tend to date other trans people, and for me, that makes the dating pool much smaller. But I only need one person. Um, so the dating pool for me is is very small, and or was very small and very select. Mm-hmm. And I was able to truly get to know people. Um, without living in this fair, fairy tale that I have all these options. And it's funny because when I met my boyfriend, it was actually during one of the periods where I didn't, where I wasn't looking for love. <laughs> you know, I was just looking for, you know, a romantic connection, somebody to hang out and do stuff, do stuff with and just be a positive distraction from everyday life. And he turned out to be somebody who, we just work very well together as a team and you know we just happen to be extremely attracted to each other <laughs> well that's wonderful what does transition look like for you or what does it mean to you mm-hmm. oh wow for me um first firstly transition in general for me it's it's funny that we out ourselves we we as trans people in general we out ourselves as transitioning but i think transition is is a life journey for everybody i think we all we transition from children to adulthood you know we transition from young adults to elderly (laughs) you know we have so many different transitions people transition um professionally for me, transition just meant getting to a place where I was truly comfortable in my identity. Because until I found the found myself being a trans woman, I didn't know where I fit before. Mm-hmm. Even identifying as queer and gay, those those terms are so broad. They come with so many different types of people, and I I didn't I didn't see that being the forefront of my identity. Mm-hmm. So, how far would would you say are you in your process of self discovery and self acceptance? Then, oh, as as far as as self self acceptance, um, I I know that I'm there, and I, I know that I'm there as far as recognizing the things that I need to accept. Um, but I'm still working working to accept some some things. I'm working through some kinks, um, things that I'm not prepared to talk about publicly. Um, but ultimately on my journey, I think I found myself for the most part. And, and that kind of scares me. That kind of scares me because I'm scared that one day there's going to be nothing left to discover about myself, mm-hmm. you know, only things to discover about other people, which is still interesting. But, you know, it's scary when you've been discovering yourself for over 30 years and the idea that 
I'm going to completely know me one day. It's a little frightening. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think that will be quite a ways off. Like you said before, you know, there, there's so many things in life that we transition through and, you know, the one constant is life is always change. So yeah, there will always be something new to discover about yourself or something new for me to discover about myself in a given situation, i.e. pandemic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what were some of the key fears that you've run into throughout your transition and how have you overcome those? Uh, My biggest fear, honestly, is safety. Mm -hmm. Um, I've already passed the age of expectancy for a black trans woman. And I'm a black trans woman who lives in a dangerous city that is known for killing trans women. So that is my biggest fear. And I know that that's my mother's biggest fear as well. Maybe it's some projection going on. Mm -hmm. Um, But the way that I deal with that fear is, um, and my boyfriend hates it because he's so nonviolent, but I'm so realistic. Um, I love to go to the shooting range. Um, I've been comfortable with firearms since a teen, part of that being growing up in the country, growing up with hunting rifles mm-hmm. and things like that, um, I can promise you that at any given time, if you ever see me, if you're ever around me, I will have something in my possession to protect myself. I won't elaborate any further than that. Mm-hmm. I am a whole target and I've lost a lot of my sisters. Those girls who convinced me that I was one of them. Not many are here with me right now. And a couple of the ones who are, aren't well enough to really help me continue my journey in the way that I wish that they could. Mm -hmm. So as you build a following on TikTok and you advocate for for trans people um, and I've seen you advocate as well in some of the videos for uh, the black community where do you find your safety like when um, I guess my, my question there is you know as as you become more popular and more recognizable um, what are your big concerns about safety and how you um, maintain that? I've honestly avoided, as I as I confessed to you earlier, I've been avoiding this for a long time. I've been avoiding attention. Mm-hmm. I've been avoiding putting my voice out there. I've been involved in activism for since 2016 behind the scenes and I've had people in my circle, in my life, colleagues, peers who have been advising me to put my voice out there for a long time. But my, my fear is exactly that. My, my fear is my safety. My fear is being recognizable. Um, and it's already started to happen. Um, the most followers I've had at any given time on social media is 11K. But some of my videos get 
more than 200,000 likes. So I'm very aware that there are a lot of people who are watching me and not necessarily supporting me. Mm-hmm. So what has your, tro- your policy been on trolls? Do you engage a lot of the people that come in and, and say nasty comments or do you ignore? What do you do? I, I have a, I have I have a few rules. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Em. Oh, um, <laughs> but I got ex- so excited about the question. Anybody who's familiar with my platform would know why. <laughs> I actually, um, I I think that I started to get traction via social media um, in the way that I handle trolls. Um, I have a rule for one: if if you if you don't have any content or any pictures posted on your page, you don't exist to me. You're you're not real, so I I'm not even processing what you're saying. Um, you'll be lucky if I delete it because that means that I actually looked at it. Um, but anyone who's who's actually wholeheartedly saying something ridiculous and like standing firm in it. We're going to have to unpack it. We're going to have to unpack it. And um, if you're disrespectful, you're not going to like the way that I unpack it. (laughs) (laughs) I grew up the the queer, chubby, dark-skinned, feminine kid in the hood. You know? Um in a small town. I, I've been handling bullies since I can, re- since for as long as I can remember, I've been handling bullies in my family. And I have a warrior spirit. So I'm I'm that person when they tell you, be careful who you mess with. Mm-hmm. I'm that person they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a, a favorite or um, like a, a most successful interaction that you've had as you've gone deeper in with some of these people that that come at you in a negative way oh i definitely have um a lot of successful interactions and that's why i continue doing it um because as i mentioned before i've been shut down and i've been blocked before on social media and um i genuinely believe that a lot of it had to do with um, just the racial biases that we have in our society that are that conflate with social media. Um, but but yeah, I I do this because of the positive feedback, and I do this because people care. Mm-hmm. I start I started doing it to cope with my depression, and you know. Honestly, now I I do it because I'm. I think I'm starting to realize that that there's a lot of people who feel good feel good from my voice, from my perspective, and all all I want to if I make one or two people feel better, that's all I want to do. Mm-hmm. And if I get to address some sensitive topics in the process, why not? Mm-hmm. Definitely. So w- when you're m- 
getting into these interactions with people we would call trolls or people who've come at you in a negative way, um, are you more approaching it as, you know, trying to unpack and and learn about them and, and kind of change their mind and educate them? Or are you using it as a, uh, using it as a tool to show your followers and other people um, either how to deal with the bullies or, um, you know, just basically how to think about it and how to approach it from a better perspective for themselves? Honestly, all of the things. Hmm. I I want my ultimate goal would be in in responding to someone who we consider a troll, the ultimate goal would be to have them question their own perspective. Yeah. I don't need to change your mind. I don't need you to believe what I believe. But I do want you to understand that there's a possibility that what you believe is wrong or there's a possibility that what you believe hurts other people or there's a possibility that what you believe is toxic. Did you have much of a plan when you started out uh, and have you deviated from that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> my my plan was was to be able to pass and live stealth. We see how that works out. Um, I'm literally on social media announcing that I'm trans and every other post. Um, so yeah, my, my goals have, have clearly changed. Um, for me initially, I think just having the opportunity to be a young girl an opportunity that I never thought that I, I would have gotten. Mm-hmm. Um, having an opportunity to be somebody who felt sexy and felt attractive. It happened for me. And I thought that for me, that would be the epitome. I didn't see that happening in my life. I thought that, you know, having a partner to validate my existence and, um, someone to love me and help me love myself. I thought that that was going to be my plateau. You know, I would just have some little side job somewhere, you know. Um, but for me, it wasn't enough. And not enough in the sense that I needed more, but it wasn't enough in the sense that I felt like I wasn't fulfilling my purpose. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've been given a few gifts. I've been given this voice, this perspective, and this tough skin. Why would I not use it? Why would I not use it for the better? I know we all still have moments of dysphoria here and there. When something like that hits, what do you do specifically to find the, your validation again, to find that center and to feel free, you know, and, and see her in the mirror? Honestly, that's that's one of the things that I'm still working on. <laughs> that that's one of one of the things that I'm still working on. For me, um, dysphoria is not a huge part of my experience, but it is a part of my experience. It does it does exist. I'm not going to pretend like I'm a hundred percent in love with with every ounce of my being. About ninety eight. i'm kidding but um but no um it's it's still something that i'm working on i think my automatic reaction when i'm feeling insecure 
when I'm feeling dysphoric is to is to doll myself up superficially. Um, on online, I purposefully stray away from makeup and um, the hyperfem expression. For one, I don't want my followers to get used to it. <laughs> but for two, it's, it's also the bigger point that I want you to focus on my voice and not what I look like. I want you to be here because of my voice and not what I'm wearing, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so, so yeah, um, but in, in real life, I, I am a typical girly girl who won't leave the house without her hair squared away, who, uh, without mascara on. <laughs> Shout out to all the Jasmine Sullivan fans who get that. Um, but so, so that, that's what I do. And that's one of the things that, that I'm working on because honestly, for me, there, there is a part of it and this is not everybody, but, but for me, there is a part of it where I get dressed up and I get dolled up because I know that I can manipulate people based on the way that I look. And even if that manipulation is just garnering compliments, like, oh, you look so pretty, oh, you look so cute, you know, putting on a pair of heels and a dress and prancing down <laughs> my my block, you know, um, with with my little model walk, <laughs> you know, just, just to get some people just to look. And I, I don't want to rely on that for the rest of my life. I don't want to depend on other people for validation when I'm feeling insecure. It's it's all if if you're coming if if you're following me because of my my facial features or you know my body or whatever then you're not going to be following me long because eventually that'll all fade. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and they're just not a real person, and they're not you know there's there's nothing real in their core if that's what they're after, that's what they're looking for. And you hit a nail on the head. That's another reason why. Um, I'm not, I, I try not to, or I intentionally um, have made a platform that isn't all about superficialities and the way that I look, because I genuinely did make my TikTok to build connections. And I genuinely do talk to and connect with people online. My best friend who is essentially my brother now, um, we originally met online. You know, so um, for me, getting this traction on TikTok was completely unexpected. I, I was not expecting to have more people follow me than I could keep track of. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I wasn't. So that that was another thing. Um, and I'm also working on, on being comfortable in my skin and being comfortable without the makeup and all the other superficialities, like I said before. Yeah. So how do you feel transitioning and um, by kind of transitive properties here, your um, the other the things that you've been able to do because of that, this advocacy and, you know, talking about being trans and, and trying to help others. How do you feel that that all of that has helped has affected your mental health? It um, it honestly started me even going into my profession as a research scientist and as a psychiatric counselor um 
all of the steps that that I made were part of my mental health journey. Initially, I started my mental health journey before my gender transition, and um, a part of my mental health journey was me doing what I really wanted to do, and that was just leave the world a better place than I found it. We talked earlier about the fears that you have, and you talked to the, about the key one is safety. What about hurdles? What have been the key hurdles that you've had that have been placed in front of you in your transition, and how have you overcome those? Honestly, I think that the hurdles that I've experienced while trans aren't because of my transness. Um, I'm not going to pretend and I'm not going to lie. It's not something that I I hold with a lot of validity. It's, it's not something I even care about. But I know that for me, passable privilege exists. I know that in my experience, I have been able to pass and I have in a lot of situations had the option of coming out as trans and not being trans assuming. Um, so my transness, I honestly feel like has been something that's opened doors for me because now I can walk in a room, I can hand in a resume, I can work a job and be perceived as a woman where pre-transition I didn't have the option of not being seen as queer. I was queer assuming, mm -hmm. very much so. And I definitely, and and I and honestly, um, one of the catalysts for my legal transition was to avoid some of those hurdles. But the main catalyst for me doing that was work. Um, one of my biggest anxieties was being offered a job position and giving them my ID and them seeing the M. Mm -hmm. And then me being automatically from then, me being treated differently because of it. I actually live in a state where you can legally fire a trans person um, and give them no, no reason. Wow. Just more stuff that we have to work to change. It's the reason why I'm such a big mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your yeah. favorite thing that you'd say that you have learned through your transition? It's always going to be love for me. I'm, I'm a hopeless romantic. And in my transition, after learning how to love myself enough to love somebody else, discovering love and how that could look for me and what I wanted it to look look like. And yeah, yeah, the, the highlight has been building my romantic connection with my boyfriend. <laughs> well, that's so sweet. What advice do you have to pass on to young or closeted trans people out there? The bad feelings never last forever. Making a permanent decision for a temporary feeling, it's never the answer. Thank you so much for being willing to come on here and share your story in such a raw and open way. We really got a lot out of this and we really appreciate you. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Transgender Show from The Transverse Network. Watch this show live Tuesday nights at twitch.tv slash The Transverse and later on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash The Transverse. 
Be sure to check out our guest Bree on TikTok at Fairy Puss. If you love what we're doing and want to help support the Transverse and get access to exclusive content, you can do so by visiting patreon.com slash the Transverse. 